Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's episode, we are going to be learning about this really interesting new organization. It's a nonprofit startup called Tech Congress. And basically, they provide a way for anyone who has an interest in tech and understands how tech works and apply those skills to government to really try and influence policy making and legislation making, because there are more and more people today who are now interested in influencing change in affecting change and given how tech is now becoming more and more important and more and more pervasive this could be a very very interesting way for someone to combine their desire to do something in government with their tech skills so we'll be speaking with the founder of tech congress today his name is travis moore and uh, i will now basically let him describe what the organization is and how it works so i hope you enjoy the discussion and with that let's welcome travis Travis. Yes, thank you for having me. Of Pleasure course. to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time. I understand that this is a really, really busy time for you. You seem to be traveling a lot. Yeah, that's right. In Washington D.C. right now, as we speak. Oh, oh wow! So, but this is a this is a Bay Area based startup, correct? C- correct. We're based in the Bay Area, but um, <clears throat> you know, we work. We we place technologists to work in Congress, and so. Uh, the bulk of our activities are, are based here in D.C., so it brings me back east quite a bit. I see. Okay. Yeah. So tell us what is Tech Congress. I think that'll be a good place to start. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like a good place to start. Um, our mission is to build 21st century government with technology talent. Um, and we do that um, by placing technologists to work in Congress directly for a member of Congress or Congressional committee through a one-year policymaking fellowship, our Congressional Innovation Fellowship. So in real terms, um, you know, our fellows essentially serve as legislative staff and they've worked on everything from investigating the OPF, the Office of Personnel Management breach, uh, which is the largest breach in federal government history, the Equifax breach, which many of your Mm. listeners may have been affected by, um, uh, setting uh, regulatory standards for autonomous vehicles and drones thinking about health information technology, uh, a whole range of things. Interesting. So when you say fellowships, it's a, it's a one-year fellowship, yeah. which allows me to work with a member of the Congress, you said, on certain policies, and my role would be more tech-focused. Is that? That's right. Yeah. So by fellowship, um, what essentially that means is, is it's a fixed-term opportunity to experience a new sector. Um, and so... Um, Fellows get a $75,000 a year stipend, mm-hmm. essentially. We pay it. And if you're an expertise, if you're a, a, an engineer or a programmer or a computer scientist, um, you apply to the program, you get in, um, and we, 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 we have a two-week orientation period, which I could talk more about, but essentially to try and help people understand the lay of the land of Congress and how it works. And then um, we sit down with you and we help you think through, okay, what are the issues that I care about? What are the issues I have expertise in? Mm. So to take one relevant example, one of our, our current fellows, Sunmin Kim, 
she's a mechanical engineer, but she was working at The Economist for uh, several years just before the fellowship. And she spent a lot of time in writing about the Japanese autonomous vehicle market. And so she really wanted to work on on future transportation and autonomous vehicle policy. So we we help, helped her meet with the range of offices that, that care about those issues. So anything from the, you know, the Commerce Committee in the Senate to Senator Schatz, um, who's the who's a senator from Hawaii. Hmm. Um, and um, so Senator Schatz really wanted to build out um, a portfolio around what should transportation policy look like in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Um, and so they brought some men on board. Oh, very, very interesting. And so it sounds like you are not just looking for students. Anyone with any amount of work experience can apply. That's right. That's right. I mean, we, we look for people that have experience in the technology sector. Um, and what that traditionally that's meant people that uh, have been engineers or computer scientists. Um, yeah. But generally speaking, we're looking for 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 anyone that um, has experience and expertise in tech. Got it. What about non-engineering tech roles? For example, what if you uh, have experience working as a product manager or someone who does business development? So you understand the tech landscape, so to say, but you're not an engineer. Is that still interesting? Yeah, I think so. We we haven't had a fellow. So we will this year we'll uh, we'll have a class of six and we'll have had 12 fellows total. We haven't had a fellow yet that has had that kind of more kind of a business perspective or the mar- kind of the market acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that that's an important uh, a important set of expertise. And I do expect that at some point we will have um, someone like that. We've had some competitive candidates. We, you know, we've had venture capitalists apply. We've had right. uh, folks that have come from the more business side at some big tech companies. And I, and I do think that just an understanding of the industry, where it is and where it's going, mm-hmm. is really, really valuable. So I do expect at some point we'll have some fellows that come from that more kind of product or 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 business side of tech. Right, that makes sense. So, uh, how many fellows do you take at a time? This is an annual thing, right? Yeah. Well, we've been slowly growing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> year one, we had we had two, just two fellows because this was we we very much viewed this as a test. I mean, we, we do I, I built Tech Congress like a startup, and so this that was our that was our MVP. That was our minimum viable product. <laughs> we had two yeah. fellows year one. Um, year two has been this year, 2017, and we had four fellows. And then um, in year three in 2018, we're going to have um, six fellows. Um, but we're also going to, I hope, um, pilot um, an, an, uh, an expansion of the program by recruiting graduate students. Uh, so my hope is that in June or July, we can we can pilot and build another MVP of, of two or three or four graduate students and, and placing them in Congress. That makes sense. Okay, uh, so I am. I'm curious. So this is this organization is a private company, right? Like it, it's not a government funded organization. Correct. We're we're a nonprofit. We're a C three. Right. So how as in have you already established certain relationships with certain members of Congress, which allows them or allows your fellows? to sort of get around because I'm imagining you can't just like throw in someone and just you know, go figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Yes. Um, yeah. I was a congressional staffer for six years. Actually, we can, that's yeah. kind of a yeah. good segue to, to why I built this program and why is it, why it exists. I, yeah. I was a congressional staffer for six years. I was the legislative director for a 
great member of Congress from Los Angeles named Henry Waxman. Um, we, we wrote the Affordable Care Act. He had the first hearing on um, HIV and AIDS in 1982, wrote the first uh, global warming bill um, back in the early 80s. Really, really um, great progressive member. Well, while I was working for Henry, um, issues popped up. The Snowden breach happened on, a, I think, a Thursday, <laughs> Thursday mm-hmm. night. We were scrambling all weekend to try and make sense of what 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 Snowden had revealed about the NSA programs. I was trying to find someone that could explain to me metadata. Um, you know, for a, for a technologist, that's a pretty simple thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was it was totally um, it was arcane. I, I, I didn't understand what the not arcane, arcane's not the right word. It was it was unfamiliar to me and very difficult. Um, what and I searched. Congress to try and find someone that understood tech that could explain that to me. And what I found is there wasn't anyone. Um, as a consequence, I, I had to go out of the building. I went to a big tech company everybody's heard of that has an army of lobbyists because um, I had a, a friend that was working there. And she was more than happy to mm. ex- find people that could explain to me um, you know, how, what metadata is and, and its function and um, its function in relation to the internet. Um, that may be okay if you if you your views are aligned with that tech company, but um, at the end of the day, the expertise needs to be in house because because on other issues, you know, you need you need independence um, from from outsiders and and because tech is not just a slice of the policy pie, uh, it's not health or education or finance that can sit in a neat little committee jurisdiction. It's the crust of all of those issues. Tech tech is every tech is our economy, and so. I built Tech Congress because of the 12,000 staff in Congress. I found five that have any formal technical training. And just to have decent, independent, informed government, we need that expertise in-house. So that's our origin story. And yeah, our unfair advantage to use use startup speak is that I worked in Congress for six years and I know how it works. I know its quirks. Um, I know the staff that work in all of these offices and... uh, and that allows us to that really allows us to to give a fellow get a fellow in a really high impact really exciting really fun role yeah so you're yeah. literally leveraging your relationships uh from your prior role in this which which makes complete sense but this is this is a really really good story and i can imagine it must have been a stressful time when the snowden thing came out i i really want to <laughs> know more about it but i think that would be too much of a digression uh so tell us more about what the life of a fellow is like then and maybe take an example of a real project or or something which a new fellow could potentially work on and the kind of things that they might do over the span of that one year yeah yeah so it's um it's fast paced the life of a fellow is the life essentially of you 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 serve like any other congressional staff and the life of a congressional staffer or the life of a fellow um, you wake up, you go, you walk into the office and then on any given day, I mean, when Equifax announced that, you know, half of, half of Americans personal information had been breached, you know, that sets off a flurry of activity, right? So they, they announced, so Equifax has been breached. Member of Congress wants to, they want to be a leader. So they want, they want to be out first. So they want to make a statement on the breach. So you're drafting a statement that they're going to, that they're going to make about it. You are reaching out to and, and meeting with different uh, staffers and other offices to understand where they're at. You're probably reaching out to security experts. You're reaching out to um, 
maybe finance experts to try and make sense of what just happened with this Equifax breach. Um, and then maybe two hours later, you're writing a letter from, um, from the senator, from someone like Senator Wyden from Oregon, to Equifax saying publicly available reports show that um, the breach was caused X, Y, and Z, and this kind of information was, was stolen. Please respond within five days with answers to the following questions. What were, what were the security standards of your, of your data center? Um, please expand on the kinds of information that was stolen. Um, what are, what are, what are your expectations with notifying, uh, the customers that have been affected a whole range of things. So, uh, so that's just one kind of a case of of what can happen in a given day. It, it's a it's an incre- it's a reactive institution, so you're you're typically reacting to a lot of events, and and it's exciting. It's extraordinarily fast paced. Um, other things that fellows do on on a day to day basis, um, you know, uh, let's take the Equifax example. Uh, they're being brought down to Congress to testify. You know, the CEO of Equifax has to raise his right hand and go go under oath, and members of Congress. Um, are going to ask that the CEO a bunch of questions. Well, the day of a staffer leading up to the days of a staffer leading up to a hearing like that, um, you'll be doing a ton of research. You'll be um, uh, you will be writing the questions um, that the member of Congress will be asking uh, the CEO of Equifax. You'd be briefing that member of Congress, helping that, them understand the issue. Uh, you'd be sitting. You, you sometimes see random people sitting behind members of Congress in, in hearings. <laughs> that that's you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you sit behind the member and watch as they ask questions. And you know if the if the CEO's not not answering fully, you hand them a, you hand them the member a piece of paper <laughs> and you say you know ask this question as a follow up. Um, yeah. And uh, so it can it can be exciting. You also write legislation. Um, you meet with stakeholder groups. It's a it's a really a, a whole range of things. Right. Uh, so, you know, one of the things which uh, which uh, sort of uh, piqued my interest there is you mentioned how it's a reactive institution. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the things that you're doing are in reaction to some event or the other, like the Equifax breach. So, again, trying to understand the nature of this fellowship, let's say I join in January and this thing lasts for a year. Is uh, Is my goal more that... I, I pick a certain area, let's say it's something to do with self-driving cars or something to do with privacy laws on the internet, something like that. And I am trying to get certain legislation passed, of course, in conjunction with working with certain members, or I'm trying to get certain policy changes made. And that's sort of the Uber thing that I'm working towards. Mm-hmm. Or is it more that with, with a certain member of the Congress, there is now this tech person who's sort of tag teaming with him or her and you're available to answer any and every technology related question. Yeah. Yeah. It's both. Um, so, uh, so the first thing I would say is if this, the, the, the primary purpose of this program is this is, this is, you could consider this like an MBA or, a, or a master's degree into how government works. Um, it is at, at its, at its core, a fabulous, if you like to learn, that's all you do. I mean, it is a fabulous, fabulous learning experience. Um, but to get to the kind of the core, um, what what would you expect to get out of the fellowship out of a year? Yeah, um, both of your both of your examples are are right. Um, in one w- one thing that we do um, have as part of the program is is a project, and so um, 
the really cool thing about the program is we can, we can, if you want to work on autonomous vehicles, we can put you to work with the member of Congress, uh, that has the most power and is the most interested in working on autonomous vehicles. Um, and so as part of that, you know, we go in and before you, before you decide, Hey, I'm going to go work for Senator Schatz or Senator Wyden or Senator Paul, we carve out, um, as part of the program, you're, you're also going to have this project that you can work on. So, so let's take the autonomous vehicles example. That could that could look like a piece of legislation. Um, or like it could be legislation around what are the um, what what are the privacy or, or data sharing standards um, for autonomous vehicles when you're driving. What what are we going to do with that location data? What are we going to do with mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the whole, the, the, the reams of data that are, that are created, um, by connected vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could, it could look like a series of letters, um, that you're sending to Toyota, GM and Lyft and Uber to get a better sense of what their data practices are. Um, but we, we help you sort of carve out a specific project and that's, that allows you to, to really dig deep in something and also have something you can take with you. But also, generally speaking, I mean, to go back to the fact that it's a reactive institution, you will be um, you'll be pulled into really any mm-hmm. and every tech issue that pops up. So even if you're working on autonomous vehicles, the Equifax reach happens, and a member of Congress needs to understand, you know, like how is data stored mm-hmm. on a server? Like how is data stored? How do servers work? Um, uh, and you're going to be you're going to be helping them understand that. Um, and so there's a, a ton of day-to-day education of the member of Congress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can see that happening. And I'm sure you'll be getting pulled by a number of different people, not just the one person that you're working with. Uh, yeah. If you come across as someone who is doing a good job. Uh, so w- would you classify most of the projects that you end up working on in this fellowship as driven towards some sort of change in policy or new policy making then, like at a high level? Yeah, they've they've depended. Yes, yeah. I mean, generally speaking, yes. Um, you know, one one of our fellows last year, his project was um, was pushing for and writing um, legislation around uh, unique identifiers for medical devices. So uh, that's like you know how we all have VIN numbers on our on on cars. Um, we don't we don't have a system for uh, we don't have that on medical devices, um, and that means that if your pacemaker goes out, um, we don't have a we don't have a way of tracking, or a certain model of pacemakers go out. We don't have a way of tracking um, who has those pacemakers hmm. in, in in implanted in them, which means we can put it on the nightly news, we can notify doctors, but we don't have a we don't have a uniform system for, you know, reaching out to everybody that has. Um, has this faulty pacemaker. So, so JC was working on, um, should we have a uniform standard, um, so that in the event of recalls, we can reach out to people. So that was specific legislation. Um, another fellow last year, he was actually more, he was more interested in, um, how do we help existing staff, um, that are really underwater understanding technology. So what he did, he set up a staff association. It's called the Congressional Tech Staff Association. And what they do, they meet basically once a month, and they they bring in subject matter experts to get up to speed on you know on a range of of issues. That so that that I mean to go back to the Snowden breach, I wish I had had a um a group like that because mm-hmm. we could have brought in security experts and everybody could have understood like what 
you know, what, what actually happened. So the, the, it really depends, generally speaking, they focused on legislation. Um, but, uh, but it does depend. It it really depends on what the fellow is interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And it it sounds, I mean, what you're doing sounds so relevant and so pertinent in today's times that, uh, you know, hats off to you that you're doing this. How, how old is Tech Congress now? We are almost at three years. I, uh, (laughs) so the congressman, the, 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 the Congress ends always on January 2nd. So I worked for Congressman Waxman until January 2nd, 2015. And then that was a Friday. And January 3rd, I started working <laughs> on Tech Congress. I put together a two-pager, <laughs> started circulating it, and everybody said, no, it needs to be one, it needs to be a one-pager. Um, so that was the first, you know, that was the first learning. Um, but we're, we're getting close, right close to three years. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Congratulations. So another thing which I'm curious about is, is one year enough to, to mm. do this sort of thing? And again, That's I'm great, speaking yeah. as an outsider because to me, everyone says government moves slowly. So, you know, I don't know. One year is enough to get a really fabulous education. Um, what, <clears throat> and one year is enough to, um, to move the ball forward. Um, the reality is Congress is incredibly slow. And so we do, you do really have to think realistically and, and, you know, we coach our fellows at the, at the beginning of, um, the art of the possible, what is achievable? You know, I, I, I like to say Congressman Waxman had, had, well, he had the first hearing on global warming in the eighties. We still don't have, we still don't, Congress still has not yet passed a global warming bill. Um, he had the first hearing on AIDS um, back when it was called GRID, gay-related immunodeficiency. And in 1982, we didn't get funding for um, for people with HIV uh, until 1994. It took 12 years. Hmm. Um, you may have seen um, there's a there's a famous uh, hearing where the seven tobacco executives come on come to Congress and they raise their right hand and they professed that they do not but they did not believe that their product was addicting um <laughs> essentially lying to the public oh, and it, yeah. it was a sea change um that that happened in uh in the early 90s we didn't get federal regulation of tobacco until 2009 so it takes a long time um so you do have to be realistic mm-hmm. about what is achievable in the course of the year um but uh at a minimum if you want to know how government works and and understand, you know, under, understand this this strange, insular, fascinating, and really exciting when you're there place, uh, it's a it's a it, it this is the, this is the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and that's why I I guess what you're saying is that the mindset that you need to come in with is that. You know, everything might not just materialize in that one year, but you will move the ball forward. And more importantly, you'll really learn how the government works. So you can figure out if you want to be more active in that capacity, what can you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's good to hear that you're also doing a lot of coaching because a lot of these people, by definition, are coming from a very different environment. Uh, so you are helping them figure out how to navigate that system, which I'm sure yeah. they need. It's very personalized. We do a ton of one-on-one work with our fellows. I mean, we, we have the orientation at the outset, um, but we check in with our fellows um, uh, every other week. We're on the Hill helping them find the people that they need to talk to uh, to be effective on the issue they're working on. We're, um, the, uh, the other thing it, the program is, is great for is 
we we connect you, we expose you to really everybody that's working on tech policy in Washington. Um, so it's it's a it is it's it's an extraordinary way to mm-hmm. to 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 move into this sector um, really quickly um, uh, because you we get you you know you get to meet with the heads of of advocacy organizations and think tanks and government affair, government affairs shops of tech companies um, uh, people at you know people in the White House it's it's a uh, um, we we want to give you the, we want to give you that network mm-hmm. um, and that's a core part of the program yeah what are the exit options by, by exit option I mean what have you seen fellows end up doing once their fellowship is over yeah that's a great question so we're still we're still sort of figuring that out um, because we're only in year two and we've only had six fellows so it's a small sample size <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> but uh, two two of the four fellows this year are staying in Congress, so they've been hired full time, mm. um, which is great. The Senate will go from having zero tech staff with technical <laughs> experience to two, and Congress as a whole will go from five to seven. Um, we, we you know we we have another um, fellow that uh, he was a naval intelligence officer. He's moved into um, cybersecurity policy with uh, with a, a company out here. We have another fellow who really just wanted to use this as as an education um, and is now uh, going going back to school and doing a grad degree using okay. uh, the remainder of his GI Bill. Um, but it really depends. What I think the one unifying thing is that we've taken all of these people that by and large have never worked in policy or in government and um, and their next thing is is very much in that space or at least the bridging space of bridging um, the tech sector and, and bridging government. They're, they're sort of now uniquely qualified to be those um, intermediaries. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to ask, but I, I'm conscious about the time a little bit, which is why I'm not asking some of my more detailed questions. But <laughs> does uh, does something like this, is, is there any other uh, organization that is trying to do something similar? Because it sounds like the numbers are so small. And yeah. I think we want many more people like this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yes and no. So I, I, our model uh, for the program in many ways was was is the the work that the Obama administration did um, post healthcare.gov. I mean, they really that the, they use that as an opportunity to really beef up the um, the technical capacity of the executive branch. So I mean, when we think about um, this space, you know, we're working in the legislative branch. There was a ton of great work that was done in the executive branch. The um, you know immediately after the healthcare.gov debacle, the White House created the U.S. Digital Service, um, who've been bringing in you know engineers and designers um, uh, to work on big big challenges. You know, with the veteran helping veterans get their benefits at the at the VA, or um, you know helping. Uh, uh, Helping people that are applying for visa renewals, you know, setting up better online systems for being able to apply online for for visas. Um, so, between the U.S. Digital Service, there's a Presidential Innovation Fellowship. Um, there's a team called ATNF, um, which is a uh, which is uh, they're essentially like a contracting company almost in the government. They work with different agencies on their um, on their tech issues, tech problems, um, but. Um, very little in the legislative branch. I mean, and that's why we're doing this. Um, yeah. And our model is a little bit different because obviously we're not, 
what what a lot of civic tech and the gov tech models um, are based on is like we we take an engineer who you know builds websites in the private sector and we're going to take them and they're going to build websites in the public sector and government. Our model is a little bit different than that. We're going to we say we, we're going to take an engineer that builds websites or understand how network systems work and then you're going to go work in Congress and you're going to apply that knowledge. Mm-hmm. You're going to work on policy using that using that knowledge. For thinking about, I mean, let's uh, how electronic health record systems should speak to one another, so that you know, if I can walk down the street and have my health records on my phone and take it to the CVS Minute Clinic, and then take it to, you know, I can go to Howard University Hospital over here, and it's all available. That um, so they they're working on kind of the policy challenges. So um, there are not that many of us in the policy in the tech technical skills for policy space. In fact, we're, we're basically it. Hmm. Um, I see. So we need more people. Yeah, <laughs> we need yeah. More that's, like, a, that's a huge charter for you to own solely. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what would you say would be the you know three to five skills that a fellow picks up over the span of this fellowship? Picks up? Um, that's a great question. I think most importantly is an understanding of the nuances of Congress and really how 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 government works and and government so it that it demystifies um you know government happens uh or legislation happens because you know one staffer in one office talks to another staffer in another office and they get buy-in from you know the speaker of the house or from you know leader mcconnell or senator schumer and they and and then they build a thing um, it's a very entrepreneurial. I think that actually that one of the one of the real I think things that fellows realize very quickly is that Congress is an incredibly entrepreneurial place because it's you you really members of Congress give you a huge amount of latitude um, to to push for their policy priorities. So um, I think a demystifying how the institution works, b understanding how everybody plays. It. So what's the role of Congressional staff working with people in federal agencies like the, uh, the White House or the Office of Management and Budget or the Federal Communications Commission, working with lobbyists, working with advocacy organizations from you know the ACLU to you know to Electronic Frontier Fund Foundation. How how do co- how are coalitions built and how do they drive issues forward? You learn really, ta- I mean, kind of right. tactical skills of like. How do you write a bill? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's uh, you learn how to research policy issues. Um, so it's kind of a whole range of things. Yeah, I'm sure you're learning a lot of negotiation also as you're speaking with all of these different people and trying to get something done. Yeah, I, yeah. Actually, it, it's it is it's all negotiation. Yeah, it's all negotiation. Yeah. Uh, have you found any areas that tend to be challenging for fellows? Policy areas or like functions of the job? Yeah, I'm sure the policy itself is very challenging, uh, but more functions of the job that uh, things that they tend to struggle with or things which are not so obvious on the outside, but could be a challenge when you're there. Yeah. um, Well, first, the the institution, you have to wear a suit every day. Um, (laughs) Um, you have to be at your desk. There's not a lot of flexible. I mean, when, when, when Congress isn't meeting, when it's out of session, there's a lot of flexibility, but when it's in session, you have to be around. And, and that, I think that can be a, that, that's a change for people. 
I think, um, I think fellows are surprised at how quickly things move and how quickly they're thrown into the deep end. So I, I think the biggest challenge, uh, uh, the first month is incredibly intense because every fellow that has started, you know, day one, they do their paperwork, they get their badge, they learn where the coffee shop is, they meet their, you know, they have lunch with their supervisor. Day two, they're working on a hearing. I mean, you know, the head of a federal agency is coming down to testify and and they're working on writing the questions and briefing the member of Congress for that. Or, you know, let the CEO of Equifax is coming down or the heads of all the um, the companies that manufacture the voting machines in the United States are, are coming down to testify or the heads of the, the major auto manufacturers are coming down to testify about their autonomous vehicle programs. Fellows get thrown in the deep end like immediately. So I think the learning curve and the intensity, mm-hmm. I think, are very hard at the beginning. Um, that said, once you, you know, once you can once you you sort of learn the process that gets a lot easier and you you know you get a sense for the flow and the people you need to talk to and all the boxes you need to check and the you know the formats of writing hearing memo of writing questions for for witnesses but i i, I think the the biggest thing is just how intense like off the bat the yeah. program can be yeah yeah especially cuz some of these events like your like the equifax thing these are all high stakes events so there's not much scope for making mistakes i guess it, it is high stakes yeah. i mean it is it, it is a these are really important important and critical issues um and so it's yeah i mean some of our fellows have been working on the russian interference in the 2016 elections that you know it doesn't really get <laughs> yeah any higher stake than that like do we have a do we do we have a functioning democracy? Um, so so yeah, it can be it can be intense, but at the same time, it's it's incredibly rewarding because you you really are at the center of of these this decision making and in, at the center of um, the you know the the oversight and investigative really really important functions of of the Congress. Yeah. So if if you were to think about uh, certain skills or qualities that a successful fellow has or should have, what would they be? Yeah. So we, um, it's three things and this is what, this is essential. This is what we hire for. This is what we select on. First is, first is technical ability or or understanding of tech. And so that's, uh, that's a, you know, that's a requirement. You got to have some formal technical training or you've spent enough time in the tech industry that you, you have a really, really good understanding of it. So that's one. Um, Two, and um, this is really the most important piece, is tech translation skills. So if you go to work for Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina or you go to work for Senator Schumer from New York, both both very, very admirable good members of Congress, um, those, neither of those members of Congress use email. That, that's their level of familiarity with tech. So you're going in to work for, for, for Lindsey Graham and um, – you know, he's he's doing a lot of cybersecurity work, so you need to be able to explain to him, you know, what a how data is stored on, like how 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 servers um, communicate with one another, how malicious actors, um, you know, let's take let's take John Podesta's email getting hacked. Um, you need to be able to explain what phishing is. Um, 
So the tech translation skill is really, really important. Um, and the third uh, really important skill for being effective in Congress is um, being a team player, uh, being able to work collaboratively at a fast pace um, with with a lot of different people. It is an extraordinarily social and collaborative environment. Nothing gets done. Things get done in Congress because they're there are coalitions pushing them, okay. coalitions of members or coalitions of members and groups. And so you really have to be be good at working with people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, I've, I have no idea about actually being there on the ground, but it, it sounds like the kind of thing where EQ is exceptionally important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the application process, are the applications open at all times of the year or how does it work? Uh, we have a we have about a six week window that the applications are open, and so um, we will open we will open it likely at the end of mid to end of for 2019. So um, applications are closed now, um, but we'll recruit for 2019 to so January 2019 start um, probably mid to end of July, uh, and then the application will be open uh, through early to mid September. Um, okay, and uh, so not for a few months. So it's about yeah. So it's uh, so it's a three month or something window, uh, and it's usually middle of the year that you re- that you start recruiting yeah. for so the next we've year. We've been we've been growing the window. The year one we had three and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah, our money came yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our money came through on October one, and we had to uh, we had to get the application up and re- recruit people to apply by the end of October. So it was three and a half weeks in year one. It was six weeks uh, for year two. It was probably seven weeks in year three. So we're, we're growing the window as we're growing the program and, and have more flexibility. Right. And uh, is the application process then uh, looking for a resume and then you do interviews or and what do you test for in these interviews if you have interviews? Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, the, the there are essentially four stages to our selections process. Um, so we, the application is a resume plus three short answer essays. Mm. And, um, and once the applications come through, we do, uh, two rounds of internal, uh, selections on, uh, we have an internal selections board and they, uh, review applicants and, um, there's a two stage process there. And then we have a two round, we have two rounds of interviews for the applicants that move on. So the first round is video. And so this year we interviewed about 24 um, people for that, for video interviews. And that's really an EQ round. All of our questions, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't reveal this, but all of our questions <laughs> in, the, in the video interview round are EQ questions. Um, and then uh, for the folks that move on, we interviewed uh, 12 people in person for the final round. And that's uh, kind of more general and, and also like technical questions um, about, you know, to get at the tech translation skills. Right, um, right. Yeah. So yeah, I want to spend just a few minutes on the on the technical skills. Let's say that I am not an engineer, or, yeah. or you know maybe I have an undergrad degree, but I haven't really programmed as my job. So what level of technical skills are you looking for? Do you do you want me to be coding a database or really going and figuring out what's there in the code, or is more that you know I understand how tech works, but I'm not an engineer? It's it's. Y- understand how tech works um that uh that's that's it um you need to be able to understand how tech works and then be able to explain that to folks 
And um, so, and you're not going to, you know, even if you're an engineer, you know, one of our first year fellows was an identity management engineer at Microsoft. You know, he didn't build a single thing in his year working in Congress and, and, and he shouldn't be, that's not the, that's not the point. So, so, you know, he's taking his, his understanding of, uh, of databases and, and, and working on electronic health records or, you know, you know, unique VIN numbers for medical devices, uh, you know, a whole range of like health related topics. So fellows don't, you know, even if you're an engineer, a programmer, um, you don't end up, you don't end up building product right. uh, in Congress. You're just applying those skills to the policy challenges. Yeah. So in my application, let's say I do not have this engineering degree. Mm. How can I demonstrate to you that I have a good understanding of tech and I really want to do this? Um, show how your how your understanding of tech relates to the policy uh, to to a policy issue that you care about, and so the primary essay is a is a is a policy essay. We ask you to talk about an issue that's uh, important and make a recommendation um, to a senator about something they should do on this issue. And so, you know, the best, the best essays we got this year, a lot were, some of them were around algorithmic bias, um, and how the, the assumptions on which the algorithms are built, um, can have real implications when you look at, uh, predictive policing. Um, you know, we, we've gotten good, really good essays on, on privacy and big data. Um, what are the, you know, given what you know, as an engineer about, the kinds of data that Facebook or Google or any other startup is collecting, you know, what does that mean? So it, it demonstrate that the way that the way that you can be effective in your essay is to demonstrate how your knowledge has consequence for um, how we should be thinking about policy and everyday life, given that the tech is tech is the infrastructure of the world we live in. That makes sense. Uh, are there any resources that you would like to recommend for someone who's curious and wants to learn more? Well, the website's good. We we have a lot of information on the website, and one thing we, you know we've done, we've made a point of as as re- really operating like a startup is to um, is to try and learn. I mean, all, all we, we've, we've constantly tried to learn. So we've got a really good blog series called What We Learned, where after every major kind of activity big big thing that we do we think of, we we look at what did we learn what went well what didn't go well and so i think that that really gives you a um, a window into into the program and and how we're evolving and growing so yeah the website's website's yeah. the best place okay and we've got we've got a bunch of um all, all of our press uh the the times we've been in, in the news are, are are on the website too. of course so your website is techcongress.com techcongress.io io okay all right yeah. yeah i just want to make sure we have the right url okay wonderful. <laughs> all right i know you have a hard stop we've literally hit the hard stop so thank you so much <laughs> any other advice parting advice you'd like to share i well so th- first thank you for having me i just say um don't give up on government and don't give up on congress um at the end of the day our government is a function of the people that work in it and so we need smart capable people um, working in in Congress, and if um, if it's something you're interested in, you can do a lot of good in a year. And and it really is the government is a function of the individuals 
that work in it and, and push for push for change every day. So it, it's a it's a great way to to do that. The fellowship is a great way to to be the change, <laughs> to, yeah. to put it locally. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I, I think what you're doing is amazing. And I hope that you get the funding or resources or whatever the, the bottleneck is to increase the number of fellows that you're taking in because it sounds like we could use many more. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, All you right. too. Take care. All the best. Thanks, Travis. Okay, thanks. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, Bye-bye.